You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we are celebrating our 100th episode. Yay! We have been doing this for just over four years, and we are so thankful to all of you for being along for the ride. We're going to do some reflecting about what the podcast has meant to us and also answer some listener questions. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? I have a chicken update. We are down to three chickens from the six we started with. Mm, not a great attrition rate there. And I have some concerns that we may have a rooster, mm. which is not allowed in the city of Birmingham. Oh. So we shall see. The reasons that I think we have a rooster is that this chick was always the loudest and always stood up really straight. And I was like, huh, that's a little different. Mm-hmm. And now. This chick is growing wattles, Mm -hmm. which are the under the chin parts. Yes. And growing their comb in a taller way than the other two, which are pretty clearly hens from what I can tell. And the wattles and the comb are getting pinker and pinker, which is also a thing that happens earlier with roosters Mm -hmm. than with hens. It's possible that. Because I have three different breeds, they just develop at different rates. Okay. And this is a bigger breed anyway, this one that I think is a rooster. But it's also possible that we will be finding a new home for said rooster come spring. I was going to ask what the plan is. Yes. I am really hopeful that Plum's teacher wants a rooster. She has eight Mm. hens at her house and no rooster. And she lives out in the country where she could have a rooster if she wanted one. Okay. I also have done some research, though not enough yet, into places that will do small batch poultry processing where we can Mm -hmm. eat this rooster. Having raised the rooster, I feel like giving them a good death and then honoring them as we eat them is not a bad way to go either. But I'm not sure how I could sell that to Plum (laughs) in terms of eating narwhal, (laughs) which is this chicken's (laughs) name. But hopefully I'm just wrong. Yes. And then would you get more hens if then you were down to two? Yes, because I think two is really not enough. They're very social animals. Mm -hmm. I think two is not enough in terms of their happiness and emotional well-being. Yeah. But I would not ship chicks again. I think it was too stressful for them. I think Mm -hmm. that we would drive somewhere close by and get them. All right. Keep us posted. (laughs) I will. What's new with you, Sarah? I want to share something that Neil and I have implemented on the advice of our parenting therapist. Mm. We have started doing family meetings on a weekly basis. This is an idea I had heard about before. And then the implementation, it was like, oh, can I get everybody on board? Will everyone participate? Mm. And felt like a lot of activation energy to get it going and another thing to spearhead. But one of the great things about doing this therapy together is Neil and I were both on board and Mm -hmm. implementing it together. We've tried it a couple of different ways. What we found works best is to do it on Sunday afternoons. We're actually going to have one after we're done recording. Very nice. We have hot chocolate while we're doing it. So there's a fun reason to all be gathered together and just feels really cozy, especially in the winter. And then we've been starting by having everyone share something that's been going well this week. And that could be your own personal life, things going well as a family, et cetera. And then also sharing something that's not going well that we can chat about or just share and have it be out there for the family to know about. 
anyone can add to the agenda. This is a part that I could be doing better is actually having a piece of paper or a whiteboard where people can, as they think of things, come write them down. Mm. Neil and I usually have one topic that we're wanting to address and focus on and think about how can we solve this problem together. I think in the same way that parenting therapy has held a space for Neil and I to talk about issues that we may not have found if we weren't doing it, Mm -hmm. having the family meeting also creates that space to talk about issues that might just be ignored or left to fester, but we can all come in in a neutral way and discuss them. And I've been really impressed with the ways many of the problems have been solved, that Mm. I came into the meeting thinking, oh, I don't really want to talk about that. That sounds like that's not going to go well. (laughs) (laughs) For example, E wanted to be on the top bunk, which is where HP sleeps, and wanted to talk about how she wants to move there. And HP was very adamant that that would never happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I said, well, we can put it on the agenda and talk about it. And we found out that what was really bothering her was she was hitting her head. And so Neil suggested we could just lower the bed all the way down to the ground so there's a bigger space between her mattress and the top bunk. And that was really novel and exciting and solved the problem without an argument. And this is something that E had brought up over and over, not every day, but every few months I'd hear about it. And so it finally got solved because to me, I didn't really see a solution because I knew HP didn't want to switch bunks and felt like a lot of drama. But there was a solution out there. We just needed to figure out how to implement it. And have the dedicated time to focus on it, too. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yes, it's been great. Let's move into what we've been reading. What is your latest book? I am still listening to Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teachings of Plants by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And there were other books that I've read that I could have talked about, but I am just enjoying this one so much. It is another beautiful memoir. Robin Wall Kimmerer is a botanist, and she's also an enrolled member of the Citizen Potawatomi Nation, which is a Native American tribe that I think originally was in the Great Lakes area Mm -hmm. and now has a reservation in Oklahoma. But she lives in New York, and so she sort of weaves together plant science and plant ecology with her experience of being a Native person and then learning about her Native heritage, because in her family, it was kind of a thing where her grandfather was taken away from the tribe and educated in a U.S. government school and so Mm -hmm. lost a lot of the connection to the teachings of their people. Mm -hmm. And then she's rediscovering those things at the same time as she's sharing about being a woman in science and talking about Mm -hmm. her science and her trainees and also talking about being a single parent to her two daughters. I am just getting chills talking about it because that sounds like a lot, but it is so wonderful. And she reads the audiobook. And so Mm -hmm. hearing it in her voice is really special too. And I would not say that this is a fast moving book or one that I am rushing through to figure out what happens because it's just this unfolding of her life. But the way that she's weaving all these things together is just so beautiful. And I really love it. It sounds incredibly lovely. What have you been reading, Sarah? I also have another memoir to share. This one is called Unfollow, A Journey from Hatred to Hope by Megan Phelps Roper. It is a memoir about her experience growing up in the Westboro Baptist Church, which is located in Topeka, Kansas, and is infamous for protesting soldiers' funerals celebrating deaths when tragedy occurs, and 
anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. It's an incredibly small church made up mostly of her family members. Her Mm. grandfather is the one who started the church. And she ended up leaving the church in her mid-20s after questioning their beliefs and noticing conflicts between the church doctrine and its actions. Mm. A lot of that question was largely a result of interactions she had on Twitter, which I found incredibly fascinating. It made me rethink my views on social media because I generally think it's not worth engaging. It's just people shouting. No one's changing anyone's minds. And to hear about how over time, these people who were engaging with her and she developed relationships with, how that really was a pathway out for her. Wow. And a way to, to see a different perspective. And one of the main themes of the book is this idea that we need a big marketplace of ideas and shutting down the hateful ideas like what the Westboro Baptist Church professes isn't the answer. What will combat that is better ideas, Mm. which is just a lot to think about. Yeah, that is really interesting. I didn't love how much the Bible was quoted. And especially in the first half of the book, she would be sharing a belief of the church and then quoting the scripture that they used to back it up, which Mm. definitely makes sense. It just was a little bit slower for me to get through. I would recommend it. It was fascinating and really did shift the way that I think of social media. It didn't change the way that I want to use it, but it made me see a benefit that I don't think I believed was true before. Hmm. Now let's move into our main segment, which is celebrating our 100th episode by doing some podcast reflection and answering some listener questions. What has surprised you most about making the podcast over these last four years? I've been surprised by how many people we've connected with. I mean, in theory, I believed that we had quality conversations, you and I, which was one Mm -hmm. of the main reasons we wanted to start the pod. But I wasn't sure when we started out how many people would actually want to listen. It has been just such a joy and privilege to connect with all you listeners out there over things that we've shared on the pod. Absolutely. I have also been just pleasantly surprised by all of the connections and getting to have that conversation with more people. Mm -hmm. I would say that I'm also a little bit surprised that four years in, we're still going strong. (laughs) Yeah. When we started, I wasn't imagining an end date, but a lot has happened over that time. Mm -hmm. And entering into a project like this with a friend could go a number of ways. (laughs) And I'm just so glad at how well we work together and communicate and that We want to keep doing this. What has been your favorite part of the experience? Along with connecting with listeners, it's been connecting with you and sharing this creative project, Sarah. I just love it. Me too. I think we'd be close friends regardless since we were before, Mm -hmm. but having this set time to check in has really strengthened our friendship in a way that feels really special. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick an episode that was your favorite, what would it be? My favorite is the one where we talk about quitting stuff. Mm. I just really appreciated everything you shared about that. I love the listener responses that we got to that episode. And I just really like thinking about quitting stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) What about yours? I didn't limit it to just one. I have a lighter (laughs) one and then a more serious one. (laughs) My lighter one that I love was Beauty and Style. I just think we laughed the most and had the most fun recording that episode, (laughs) and I think it really showcases our personalities in a way that (laughs) 
not all of our episodes do. Uh-huh. For a more serious episode, I'm really proud of the conversations that we had in hard times that we recorded last fall about my experience with cancer and your experience navigating mental health postpartum. Mm-hmm. Now let's get into our listener questions and answers. We have included a lot of the ones you sent our way. Some of them we felt would be better as a whole episode in itself. So Mm -hmm. if you don't hear your question here, stay tuned in the new year as you may be hearing it in a longer format. And thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions. It was really fun to see what you're curious about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with a group of questions that had to do with the podcast. Do your husbands listen to the podcast and would they ever join an episode? Andrew does listen, though I'm pretty sure he's not current. I think he tends to pick back up sort of in batches, Mm -hmm. which is how I listen to some of my podcasts, too. So that's not surprising. But I bet he would be in an episode if we asked him. (laughs) Neil does not listen to the podcast. I think he may have listened to three or four early on. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, Neil doesn't have a personal smartphone and doesn't listen to any podcasts. (laughs) So (laughs) so it's not like he's actively excluding ours. (laughs) Correct. But he would also probably be up for recording if we asked him to. He did the very first episode of Family Pedals with me when I was doing that podcast and was totally game to join in. We'll have to see if we can think of a fun way to include them in the future. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest episode to record? I couldn't think of a specific one that we actually made it through, but... There have been a few that we have planned to record, Mm -hmm. and then we sat down, and I was like, never mind. I cannot talk about this in an appropriate way. I'm too mad about this topic, or I'm too in it. Yes. And I don't want to do it. (laughs) Agree. I remember a couple of those as well. I think for me, the hardest ones to record have been the at-home parenting and the more recent one we did on our work lives. I think there's just so much to unpack, both in our own personal beliefs and what's happening in society, that it felt hard to capture and distill all of that nuance and the conflicting and evolving thoughts that I have on the topic. So it feels hard to record something and put it down when I'm not sure if that's where I'll be in the future. But I also felt so grateful that we did because it's such a great exercise to really think through what do I want to say and what do I think about this? Because Mm -hmm. we often go through life without doing that kind of examination. Yeah. What has kept you encouraged while growing your audience? I find the project itself really encouraging. Just the creativity in it. Sometimes my Mm -hmm. life and job feel like drudgery and not very creative. And so to have an ongoing creative project that I think if I did not have a partner in, I would just drop. I wouldn't finish it. Mm -hmm. I'm a big project starter, not a big project (laughs) maintainer or finisher. Mm -hmm. And so having a creative thing to go to, but that is a shared creative thing, I think is what has kept me feeling encouraged about the pod. Along those same lines, just how much fun it is to create the show together. Mm -hmm. I like talking with you. I like thinking (laughs) about the things that we discuss. I like pushing myself to read different books to share that I think would make good content for the podcast. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't fun and we weren't enjoying it, we would have stopped a long time ago. (laughs) See episode (laughs) on quitting. (laughs) How long does an episode take to put together? I think we've definitely gotten faster over time. I would say we probably spend 15 to 20 minutes on the outline. 
usually right before we record. Mm-hmm. Accurate. Takes about an hour to actually record the podcast, although we stay on before and after to chat. <laughs> For me, it takes about four hours to edit, and then I send it over to you to do one last listen. And the show notes only take about 15 minutes. So I would say somewhere total between five and six hours from coming up with an idea to having it ready to go. And that's really similar for me. I think I'm a slower editor Hmm. than you are. I think I get more distracted as I'm editing. Total project time might be similar, but actual Abby hours takes me longer (laughs) than that. (laughs) This is the focus time. I would say five to six hours of uninterrupted time. Accurate. (laughs) And that's one reason why going to a weekly schedule feels like too much. Yes. Because we switch off on the editing, we're really only doing it once a month, which feels really doable. But Mm -hmm. if it was double that, I think it would start to feel more drudgery and less fun. Totally. That's the end of the podcast questions. So we'll move into just some general life questions. Would we ever be able to or plan to move to the same city? I love this question. (laughs) It would be amazing. We don't have current plans to do that. But when we lived in Nashville, Neil did interview for a job in Nashville. He came in, Mm -hmm. stayed with us, and borrowed Andrew's bike to get to his interview. But that didn't work out. True. And when Andrew was looking for jobs, you were considering Indianapolis as Mm -hmm. a place that might work out. Yes. That's about an hour from where we are and would have loved to have you that close where we could still have regular meetups, even if Mm -hmm. we weren't just down the street. Yeah. But for now, we'll continue with our virtual connecting. Mm -hmm. What other country would you like to live in? I could see us living in the Netherlands. It's a good spot for science. So Andrew could probably still do some science there. Mm -hmm. And my ancestors are from there. And when I have visited before, it feels very homey. It feels a little familiar. And that's Mm. probably all in my mind, but I still like it. And I think (laughs) I think I would like living there. I also have New Zealand on my list just because I love the idea of it. I love their prime minister. Yes. I basically love everything about it. And I've never (laughs) been there. So who knows if I would really like it. But (laughs) I also have an ancestral country. I have a lot of relatives from Germany. And I have some regrets. I did French and German when I was in junior high school and through part of high school. And then it got to be too much and I needed to pick one. And I chose French. And I have some regrets on that front. I wish I would have continued learning German Hmm. and would love to get a redo and spend some time in Germany learning the language and culture and just enjoying being in Europe. And also New Zealand. All the reasons you (laughs) listed, Neil and I spent time in New Zealand after graduating college and loved it. So beautiful. So much nature. All the political things you said. I would love to be there. What are your favorite podcasts to listen to? Currently, I am listening to What a Day, which is the daily pod from the Pod Save America people. Mm -hmm. Love it. And Home Cooking, which I've mentioned before on the pod that was a specific pandemic pod that has now come back with more episodes. Nice. And then the Journey to Midwifery podcast, which is all these different kinds of midwives talking about being midwives and doing midwife-adjacent stuff. I'm really into that one. Yes. I am loving Pod Save America. 
which just scratches that political itch of needing to know what's happening and hear people talking about it without me actually having to engage in political discussions and having them take over my friendships and relationships. (laughs) Also love What a Day. And then two of my favorites that I am not up to date with right now are Harry Potter and the Sacred Text and Hot and Bothered, which are produced by some of the same folks. The first one goes through Harry Potter chapter by chapter, and it makes me want to be a better person and want to live my best life. Mm -hmm. And then Hot and Bothered makes me feel similarly with a lot of laughter, looking at romance novels and what they're teaching us about life and culture. Though I have to say, I have been so into audiobooks this year that I have not been listening to nearly as many podcasts as I have in the past. Mm-hmm. That's the same for me. I think I'm due for a catch up on some other favorites where I'll mm-hmm. go through and listen to all of the five episodes that I'm behind on at once or something like that. Yes. What are your favorite and least favorite things about social media? My favorite things are the community, most particularly my Facebook mom group, which I joined when I was pregnant with Plum. So I have been internet friends with those people now for almost five years, which is really special. And tell us again how you found that group. Through the pregnancy group affiliated with the Longest Shortest Time podcast, which Mm -hmm. is a parenting podcast that I don't think is being produced currently, but there are a lot of great back episodes Yes, talking about that aspect of parenting and the beginning of parenting and how it feels so long, but is also so short. Yes. There was a community that arose around that podcast, and then there were little groups that came off of that, and one of them was people who were pregnant at the same time. And then the Facebook mom group I'm in, everyone in that pregnancy group was like, this vibe feels really great. Let's start our own secret group. (laughs) So (laughs) love it. I think we started out with 45 people and now we have 43 and it is really wonderful. So I love that and that connection piece. I also love being able to learn things. I especially have appreciated lately all the people who are sharing things about Indigenous people, sort of, I guess, around Thanksgiving and stuff. But Mm -hmm. these are people doing this all the time, are educating and giving of their time so that People who are descended from colonizers like me can be aware of the country that we're living in and what it means for people who aren't colonizers. I really appreciate that. What I love most is what you said about that learning piece and that there are so many people doing really hard work of educating people and spending their time and emotional energy into that. And I have so appreciated getting to benefit from what they are putting out there and hearing voices that I am not hearing in my everyday life. Yeah. What about the dislike side? I do not love the capitalism aspects of social media, that basically when I am using social media as much as I am, that I am the product Mm -hmm. and I am making money for these giant companies Mm -hmm. who at times or all the time have questionable motivations behind their actions. And I really struggle with that. I struggle 
because in a lot of other ways, I try and buy things from companies who are doing things that I really can get behind and believe in. And yet this pretty large aspect of my life, especially right now, Mm -hmm. when so much is virtual, I am getting this virtual community, but at the same time, it kind of feels like I'm selling out. I agree with everything you said. I dislike most everything about social media besides (laughs) that learning piece that I mentioned. I have deleted both my personal Facebook account about almost five years ago now and my personal Instagram account maybe a year or year and a half ago and rarely check in on our friendlier account. I just, it just doesn't make me feel good. Mm -hmm. And doesn't feel like it's adding more to my life than it's taking away from it. So that is where I've landed. What is your favorite thing about each other? Sarah, I love how easy and fun it is to talk with you. That has been true throughout our whole friendship. You're Mm -hmm. such a good conversationalist. And I feel like we have never had a conversation that's felt stilted Mm -hmm. or not easy. We always can find something fun to talk about or hard to talk about, but it's just good (laughs) to talk with you. I also love how devoted you are to your own self-care. You're so good at reading for fun. You're so good at going to bed early. It's really inspirational. Thanks, friend. I love how self-aware you are. I think there are very few friends I have who see themselves and their motivations and decisions in such a clear and honest way, which I think has also made me strive to do the same because I know you'll call me out if I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that has led to richer and more honest conversations. I also love that you're always here for a good rant because I often have one to share. (laughs) And I know you'll always be able to see it for what it is and put it in the right perspective, which makes me feel really safe sharing a lot of hard things with you. I'm so thankful for that. The next question is, I'm curious about how or if you decided that your family was complete, whether you feel at peace with the decision, and whether your spouses were on the same page. Our family is definitely complete. Two has always felt right for us. I think in my younger days, I aspired to have four children, Mm -hmm. but I think even before we had kids, I had walked that back, at least in my own mind. That's at least in part because Andrew is a middle child and we didn't want that dynamic in our family. Mm. And also because it feels like the best thing in terms of the energy we have to devote to parenting. I think that our children, for the most part, are getting what they need, but I'm not sure that we would be capable of that if we added another one in. Mm -hmm. And then I had cholestasis during my pregnancy, which is a liver disorder that can be really dangerous for the fetus. That's when I was pregnant with Pepper. And then I had a postpartum mood disorder. And so those two things and not wanting to repeat them and having a high likelihood of both of them recurring really sealed the deal for us. Neil was really on the fence about even having a second child. And so he was very confident that he would be done at two. And that really made the decision clear for us. I think that if I were partnered with someone different, I might have had a third. But I don't feel sadness or regret about that. It feels like one of those, the ghost ship that did not carry us 
to mm-hmm. reference our favorite Cheryl Strayed essay where, sure, I might have done something differently, but I love the family we have and the life we've created. I think we're in a great place and I do feel at peace with that decision and that our family feels complete. And to end on a fun note, do either of you have a personal theme song? I love this question. (laughs) And when I heard it, the song I thought of immediately is Let the River Run by Carly Simon, which is from the movie Working Girl. I don't know this song. I love that movie and I would highly recommend it for your holiday watching. Okay. There is an aspect of it that is Christmassy. It's not really. It's really a romantic comedy, but some of it is in the winter with Christmas trees around. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I love this song. I didn't really know much about it, but when I started looking into it, once I thought of it after hearing this question, I realized that Carly Simon composed that song for that movie and won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. And that a lot of people interpret it different ways. I think the most straightforward is that it's sort of a hymn to New York City, which doesn't necessarily resonate with me. But what I love about it is that it is just this female power ballad. You can kind of belt it at the top of your lungs. It has a good beat so you can dance to it. And sort of a wider interpretation would be to take on things that you're not sure that you can do and be who you are, and it's going to be great. I love it. I do not have a personal theme song, but I feel like that is now a hole in my life that needs to be filled. So I welcome suggestions. I'd love to hear if listeners have personal theme songs to get some inspiration. We would love to hear that. I will be thinking of this as I listen to music now, and if I find one, I'll be sure to update the podcast community. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) That's the end of our question and answer session for today. Thank you again to everyone who sent in questions. It was so much fun to do this and look forward to another 100 episodes. And listeners, thank you again for being here with us. We may have said before, Sarah and I would have been talking to each other anyway, but it's really nice to have you here too. Absolutely. Let's end, as we always do, by sharing something we've been eating lately. I was turned on to a new food blog called Damn Delicious Mm. that one of my friends had recommended. I would say it's a little meat-heavy. Yes. But I have found some winners. One of them was a Swedish meatball recipe. It's a mixture of pork and beef, and then the breadcrumbs and spices and other things in it. They were incredibly delicious. It reminded me of the inside of potstickers, similar flavors. We had them just plain (laughs) along (laughs) with some sides of vegetables to go along with it. So it was a little too meat heavy for our family, but it inspired me to seek out more meatball recipes because I do love meatballs when they're Mm -hmm. mixed in with other stuff. So would recommend. Nice. Sidebar about meatballs. Mm -hmm. I just saw a meatless meatballs from Pinch of Yum that was Mm. meatless Swedish meatballs. Looked really good. Interesting. What have you been eating? I made something called apple dapple cake. And I think I mentioned on another previous episode that I was looking for a good apple quick bread. Then I remembered that a family friend years ago had made this cake at some event that I was at. 
and had shared the recipe. And so I was able to find it in my email. Mm. And this is the apple bread. So I made it in a bunt pan, but I think you could cut it in half and make it in a loaf pan mm-hmm. and that it would serve that quick bread function. It's basically just apples, butter, egg, sugar, and then flour and baking soda, etc. The awesome part that makes it so good is that it's a poke cake. So you poke holes in it when it comes out of the oven uh and then pour an amazing butter, brown sugar, milk syrup into there. It's almost caramely, that stuff. And I think Mm -hmm. if you cook it too long, it would turn into caramel. So you have to cook it not very long, just enough to dissolve the sugar. Then you pour it in and it soaks in. It is incredible. I made it yesterday and we've eaten almost half the bunt cake already. <laughs> so I think it probably won't last long, but I will be making it again. Yes. A good sign that it's delicious when it disappears quickly. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. If you want to help us celebrate our 100th episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love to read those. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. One, two, three. I hadn't started it. <laughs> Can we just clap? Can we uh-huh. just clap One, again? One, two, three. <laughs> that, was that at the same time? I don't know. It's fine. I'll make it work. <laughs> Did I do it before you said it? Just count again. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Are we counting? Do we usually do one, two, three, and then we clap, right? I think that there must be a delay. Okay. But that's fine. That's it. Why does we sound do it. like we're not clapping at all at the same time. Yes. And it does look like that when I look at your video as well. In the living room. Have I talked mm. about this on the podcast? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I so don't either. Know. But then as I'm saying it, I'm like, is this familiar? It's hard to say. Maybe. Maybe it's hard I have. Because I feel well, like maybe I did. You've voxed me about it a whole bunch. Yeah. And okay, so it's hard for me to it. separate. How about I talk about family meetings? Because I'm sure I haven't talked about Yes. That. Okay. Do that. Let's do that.